but my biggest thing is remembering that no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people usually say um, no because, and then they give, you know, whatever whatever explanation they want to. Um, and then our, our boundaries that we've set as parents often get pushed to the side once we start giving those explanations. You know, it kind of gives people a platform to begin to persuade you to do something different. But if you simply say no with nothing else behind it, it's really hard for them to latch on to anything. And they kind of have to take that for face value. Welcome to the Messy Mom Podcast by Fit Mama in 30, where we are all about ditching the idea of perfection during motherhood and embracing the messy, ranging from topics about pre and postnatal health, infertility, mom guilt, and the craziness that comes with raising a family. Get ready for 30 minutes of real, raw, and messy content. Let's work to embrace the messy together. Hey, hey, mamas, and welcome to another episode of the Messy Mom Podcast. We are so pumped about today's episode because we have Lauren Doherty joining us, who is an art therapist and mental health counselor. Um, Her role is she works with individuals truly of all ages with an emphasis on providing mental health and wellness services to college students and veterans. She has recently discovered a passion for helping new mothers as she is a new mother herself and is planning to obtain certification in perinatal mental health counseling, eventually using those credentials to help individuals in every stage of motherhood lead a healthier, more fulfilling life. So as we know, pregnancy is very physically demanding, but it is also very mentally and emotionally demanding. So in today's episode, Lauren is giving us tips on how you can you know, really develop healthy mental strategies during pregnancy and what that looks like. So stay tuned. I think you're really going to love this episode and what Lauren has to say, and we hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for joining the Messy Mom podcast, Lauren. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun to be here with you guys. Yeah, we. it's been a minute since we've um, done a podcast, so <laughs> I'm glad that we're getting back into it, and uh, people are probably tired of Carrie and I saying that, but this is <laughs> something that we are definitely trying to be more consistent with, so we are definitely happy to have you. You're talking about something so important that is, you know, definitely out of Carrie and I's scope of practice, we'll say. So we're so excited to have you talking about uh, mental, you know, emotional habits during pregnancy, because we really feel that that is so, so important. So before we kind of jump into that topic, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, hobbies, interests, all the things? Sure. Um, my husband, Rob, and I actually just had our first, uh, first little one, our baby boy, Reed, uh, he was born four months ago, so I have a little a little bit of experience in the mom. You're mom in the thick part. of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a really good baby, so that's we're very thankful for that. He's a great sleeper. Not oh, he doesn't nice. like complain or anything like that. So we're very we're very thankful. Um, but yeah, we have you know two dogs. I feel like we're the typical midwestern family. <laughs> we don't have a picket we don't have a picket fence. <laughs> yet. Um, Not yet. Yeah, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um yeah. So I also have a an identical twin sister. Oh, and that's... right now as we speak, she's actually in labor as well. Oh wow. Well that's yeah. fun. Yeah, our little boys will be she's also having a boy and so they'll be almost four months apart to the day. So oh, that's wow. 
that's awesome that's really that's cool totally unplanned but I guess that's the power of twins, twins. Yeah. yeah I was I was gonna ask you totally off topic but do you find like growing up with an identical twin that that kind of thing happened often you know I we were together so much that it was hard I, it, I don't know our lives are pretty our lives were pretty much enmeshed anyway yeah we're um like so she called me at midnight last night um to tell me that her water broke and it was really funny because I was already awake and I'm never awake at that time oh that's weird (laughs) I don't know if that was any sort of you know twin intuition or whatever but that's so cool I always thought it'd be really cool to be an identical twin (laughs) it it is pretty cool so I answer to whatever you know Lauren Lindsay hey you you know whatever kind of comes up that's awesome. I have to ask, did you dress the same when you were little? Did your parents dress you up in the exact same outfits or was that not a thing? It was exact same outfits, but different colors. Mine was uh, probably purple and Lindsay's was pink. I love that. That was so your mom awesome. could tell you apart. Just kidding. Uh, I don't you know. We could ask her. I don't know. She didn't like mark us with Sharpies or anything. So that <laughs> um, Honestly, it could be so other people could tell you apart too because that would be super challenging yeah. yeah you'll have to ask her why I'm curious yeah I don't know if it was just easier like okay we're just gonna buy this thing and Lauren's stuff is all purple and is all is all pink I yeah. don't know I love it that's awesome now do you still like purple or are you like over purple um it's not it's not a color that I wear often <laughs> you're like I'm done with it or pink. With it. I don't know if yeah I don't know if that's the reason but yeah <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So now that we've gone totally off topic, I was, <laughs> I was like, I just, I have to, I have to ask those questions, but, um, what you're really here to discuss with us today, like I mentioned a little earlier is, you know, really developing healthy mental habits during pregnancy. You know, we know that pregnancy is very physically demanding, but it can also be very mentally and emotionally demanding as well, which is something that I think a lot of people and women don't think about, you know, prior to becoming pregnant, especially first time moms. So from some of the information we discussed, you know, prior to this podcast, you mentioned that developing healthy communication skills is a key element to developing healthy mental habits during pregnancy. So can you just dive a little deeper into that? Maybe give our listeners some tips, advice on how they can start to develop good communication skills. Yeah. Um, I do want to say I am a therapist, but to those of you listening, um, I don't know any one specific situation. So please take this as general advice. Um, if you really feel if you really feel like you're struggling or need some help, um, there are a lot of, you know, websites. Psychology Today is a really good one um, where you can reach out uh, and, and find someone to offer you that like one, that one-on-one support that you just can't get from a podcast like this. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, good point. so communication skills. Um, so I always tell people, you know, pregnant, postpartum or not, um, you really want to learn how you and your main support system communicate. And like you said, you know, practice those during pregnancy so that when your baby gets here and you're sleep deprived and you're trying to figure everything else out, you have that solid foundation. Um, So something that I've found to be um, really important is eliminating uh, passive aggressive behavior. Um, And I think that's something that we don't talk about a lot. You know, we talk about healthy communication, but we don't talk about some of those nonverbal ways that we try to communicate with other people. 
Um, so I usually give the example, like your husband comes home, doesn't put dishes in the dishwasher. So you have a standoff and you let the dishes <laughs> pile up, right? Out of principle. And you're only going to wash the dishes that you need to make his life harder. And in reality, it only makes your life harder. So I'm, I really like to encourage people to sort of get rid of that thinking and get rid of that behavior, sort of like that scorekeeping, um, that scorekeeping behavior, and instead really start to talk to people about what they actually need. And this goes for everything. Um, I think a lot of communication problems really stem from people thinking the other person should be able to guess what they're thinking or feeling, why they're doing something. And that's really never the case, not even for the most intuitive people. Um, you know, if, if you need something, say something. If you feel a certain way, tell them. Uh, it, makes, it makes everyone's life easier. Um, you know, but it, it's also really important for you to know who you're talking to. So not only how you communicate best, but who you're talking to and how they communicate. Um, so, you know, my husband doesn't do well if he's had a really hard day at work and then he comes home and immediately I say something that's on my mind that affects him in some way, or I'm, you know, getting on him for not doing the dishes or something like that. He needs a little bit of time to decompress and that may not be the best time uh, for me, for me to start saying something to him. So even just kind of kind of asking people if if they're ready or have space to hear you talk about something difficult is helpful. Um, and same for us women. I feel like we we like to vent a lot and aren't necessarily asking for, you know, advice or solutions to things. So even saying, can you can you just listen for a moment? I need to vent. I'm not looking for advice. Kind of setting setting those parameters up for your conversation can be really, really helpful. Um, and can, I, I think it can stop a lot of arguments before they even start. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. You say that that's one of, um, my husband, Kyle and I joke, not joke, but that's like exactly like if I'll come up, I'm like, he'll, the first thing he says, he goes, vent or feedback. <laughs> which, yeah. Which one are we doing? I'm like, just want to vent. <laughs> Don't need you to say a word. Just gonna, I'm just going to talk. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the real thing. And I think sometimes yeah. people ask that, but then they're not ready to hear a no. Yep. So the important thing too, is to remember that if someone says no, then you need to go find someone else to communicate what you need to communicate, you know? So maybe it's calling your sister or your mom or a best friend or something um, just to kind of get that stuff off your chest, you know, because not everybody's always ready for us to do that venting or to talk about those difficult things. That's such good advice because I feel yeah. like I never ask. I always just vent, <laughs> especially to Kevin. And and it's also good to say, can I can I vent to you? I'm not looking for advice because Kevin always likes to play devil's advocate with me, and I and then it just makes me mad. And I'm like, okay, I shouldn't have even talked to you about this anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so very good points right there. Um. That's like a great segue into like what we we're going to talk about next. And that's support systems. Um, you know, we all, we, the three of us, we obviously did, just did a lot of examples of spouses, um, which are key to good mental health during habits during pregnancy. But just like you mentioned, Lauren, like who, you know, if you, if that's not your person to vent to like call your sister. So, you know, we, I think we all know having a support system is key, but I think figuring out 
who those people are and what role they actually want to play um, might not be quite as clear. Um, so can you maybe just talk us through ways, you know, m like f mamas can kind of pinpoint, you know, who they need in their support system and the best way to get prepared before they actually need that support versus in the moment. Yeah. You know, I always say you need multiple types of support. You know, I think you need more support pregnancy and postpartum than anybody can imagine who's not been through that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I always knew that my husband was going to be a support and, you know, my sister, my mom, my dad, my in-laws, but we don't live around the corner from, from any of them. You know, we live like an hour and I think it's like an hour and 15 minutes away from our closest person. Um, so it's not always possible for them to come over at the drop of a hat, you know, to watch read for an hour while I run to the store. Um, or if you're like us, if you need a break because we decided to do a bathroom remodel and dog training and have an infant. But you know, <laughs> that's the story. We, we, won't, we won't get into that here. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack with that one. Um, but, you know, if you would have asked me who else my support system was, I would have had no clue. Um, and it took me sort of going through that postpartum period to figure out who those people I could rely on were. Like I had a friend, I have a really good friend who lives 15 minutes from me, and I never would have put her on that list as a support system, mainly because I didn't, you know, I, she's a newer friend and I don't know that I would have left my kid with her for a week. And that's really what I was envisioning when you say support system. Yeah. And who am I going to leave my kid with on vacation? Um, and really, we also need that support for that, you know, hour free run or to get a shower or things like that. Um, you know, so my friends should have been on my support system list. Um, and I always, you know, I, I, I like to think about this too. We don't necessarily need to add a bunch of new people to our lives, pregnancy and postpartum. So even thinking about um, people that you already interact with, like my husband and I had just joined right before Reed was born, we just joined a uh, small group within our church. So it was all really young couples. They all have kids that are like, you know, two and a half and older. So I wouldn't have listed them on my support system because I see them once a week for, you know, an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. But while we were there, um, you know, all of the moms, because their kids are older, they really liked a good newborn snuggle. Um, <laughs> so I got to eat, you know, like I got to eat a meal one night a week without having to hold him or without having to make sure that he was, you know, mentally stimulated while mm -hmm. he was awake. Right. So they should, they should have been on my support system too. And I never would have thought of that. Mm -hmm. So I like to encourage people to sort of think about the things that you're already doing, the people you already are interacting with, and try to determine who you might think would come over for 15 minutes or for an hour and use those communication skills that you're practicing, you know, during pregnancy um, to ask them what they'd be comfortable with, because we can assume that they wouldn't be comfortable coming over and maybe they would. Um, but it's, it's not about adding people. It's about figuring out from the people that you already interact with who can be supportive in, in those roles. Yeah, that's so I love that you mentioned just like the quick because, you you know, when you think of support, like you said, it's like the big things, but there are so many little things that that add up. So like, yeah, if I want, um, I have a good friend here and she was a newer friend when my son was born um, and she was the one who brought it up. She was, you know, just call me if you want, like you said, 20 minutes to just take a shower without having to worry about where he's laying and then where my two year old 
is, you know, whatever she's doing around the house. She was quite the terror at two. So it was, <laughs> but it was like, I, and, you know, you needed those 20 minutes of just like, okay, I need 20 minutes of sanity. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. You don't think about the little things. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and if you're like me and I, you know, I was working from home, you know, starting, you know, six weeks postpartum and I was working at home throughout my entire pregnancy and even just like someone to come over and sit with you. Yeah. Not even asking them to do anything just to be another, you know, adult human. You can have an adult conversation with instead of, you know, hanging out with an infant. All the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important too to when people offer, you know, their help, if you can tell they're really being genuine and you feel very comfortable with them and identify them as, you know, someone in your support system to take that help. I think so many, so often, you know, moms want to just do it all. And it's, it's really challenging and can really weigh on your mental and emotional health. It absolutely can. You know, I, it, it's even sometimes hard for me to even um, accept help for my husband sometimes because, you know, he's been at work, he's a nurse and he works 12 hour shifts. So, you know, when he comes home, he's tired, Mm -hmm. but I'm also tired because I've been working from home and doing, you know, infant stuff and dog stuff. And, um, you know, it's a lot. And even accepting help from husbands, you know, spouses, you know, can be, can be difficult, let alone those people that you may not, you know, have those really close intimate relationships, but are still offering that Mm -hmm. help. So true. So with support systems, you know, also kind of comes the topic of boundaries. So how can we set those boundaries, you know, communicate those boundaries in a loving, but also assertive way? That's a really good one. I feel like this is for all, you know, my mother-in-law's great. And I, you know, I don't say this because of her, but I think this is like a common misconception of mother-in-laws, right? Like we need to set boundaries with our moms and mother-in-laws because they try to, you know, uh, change how we parent and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest thing is remembering that no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people usually say um, no because, and then they give, you know, whatever, whatever explanation they want to. Um, and then our, our boundaries that we've set as parents often get pushed to the side once we start giving those explanations, you know, it kind of gives people a platform to begin to persuade you to do something different. But if you simply say no, with nothing else behind it, it's really hard for them to latch on to anything. And they kind of have to take that for face value. Um, you know, you don't owe anyone an explanation because of a boundary you've set. That's something that you've chosen, you know, as a mom, and you feel that it's best for your family. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people too feel, uh, well, not, well, we'll say feel bad, feel, feel bad about setting boundaries. Um, kids actually thrive with boundaries, but that's a different, that's a story for another day. But, um, but not even because they feel bad about setting the boundary. They feel bad because the boundary made someone else feel bad. Yeah. And so they're, if their mom's given a bunch of flack for something, um, you know, people will say, well, I feel bad because my mom's upset now, but really only you can make you feel bad. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not responsible for other people's emotions. You know, if you set a boundary and it makes someone else upset, that that's for them to deal with, not you. 
Because if you start wavering on boundaries you've set, then that's going to make you feel bad. You start questioning the decisions you're making. Um, and you sometimes can start to feel like all of the choices you're making are not your own because you've let other people's opinions kind of affect those boundaries that you're wanting to set. So again, it goes back to those communication skills and learning how to, you know, advocate for yourself and advocate for your family and remembering that the word no is a complete sentence, whether anyone that deals with grammar will tell you that's correct or not. <laughs> it's like it is, it's a complete sentence and you don't have to justify anything. To I anyone. feel like you're talking directly to me. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie's really good at no is a complete sentence. I, on the other hand, am not. And I try to work on it, but everything you said was like, wow, she's preaching right to me. I like, <laughs> I feel that so much. And it's so funny too. My mom used to say the exact same thing. Like only you can make yourself feel. And when you said that, it was like, ding, ding, ding. Like, I just need to listen to this over and over and over again. <laughs> I that was it's so true. It's really hard for people to like to get ingrained in their mind because I think, you know, the entire time that I was growing up, at least if I ever said no to something, I felt like I had to have a really, really, really good excuse. And mm -hmm. sometimes like, I just said, I just say no now because I just don't feel like doing something. Even if it sounds cool, I, you know, I just don't want to do that. Or, um, you know, your way of thinking about, you know, sleep training or not, you know, that's not what I want to do. And I don't have to explain that to you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's just really difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm one of them for sure. And such um, good advice. It really is. I think that changes everything when you don't feel like you have to, like you said, it's not when you when you stop thinking about letting others down by saying no, um, it changes a lot. Well, especially during pregnancy. And when you have kids like, you know, it can be challenging. And I feel like, for me, at least, I was running myself so thin, you know, trying to meet up with this person for lunch before baby comes and making sure this person, you know, um, I was giving them attention and, you know, keeping this friendship. And it just becomes a lot when you're already dealing with something that's so big and life changing. Yeah. So I feel that. I do too. Well, I think that's like a, on that same topic about no and boundaries. Um, <laughs> I think, Mo especially moms, we are, we have that constant voice inside our head saying I should be working, doing laundry, reading, play dates, activities, like you always feel like you should be doing something. Yeah, that's the word should is like my most hated word in my mental, like in my mental health counseling world, like it, it's so it, it's, 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 it's a very, it's a very harmful word. Um, it really is us comparing ourselves to someone else or to that image of what we, you know, we thought pregnancy postpartum and motherhood would look like. And let me tell you, even four months in, it looks nothing like what I imagined it would. Like my pregnancy didn't look like I thought it would. Those initial few weeks don't look, didn't look anything like I thought. And now that I'm, you know, four months postpartum motherhood really does not look <laughs> what I thought. So, um, you know, erasing that word should, it takes time. Um, but there really isn't anything you should be doing as a mom. You know, I, I, I hear a lot of, um, even a lot of my friends 
you know, that have been recently pregnant, they're kind of, you know, they're, ha- you know, they're having nausea and they're not really enjoying pregnancy. Um, and then they start telling themselves that they, you know, should be grateful because some people can't have kids or because a friend of theirs miscarried. And while those are terrible things, um, I do want to acknowledge that it's, it's awful for those people going through that. You can't discount what you're experiencing on the basis that someone else has it worse, yeah. which I feel is what that should thing that should in, in that instance, that's what that word should is doing. You're discounting what you're experiencing and thinking that someone else has it worse. So, you know, you should be happy about something really not. Um, you know, I think, I think moms struggle a lot with beating themselves up for feeling a certain way, you know, maybe like not wanting to go to the zoo with your kids in the summer, mm-hmm. or like feeling like they should be <laughs> cleaning instead of sitting on the couch. Um, but I always like to kind of phrase it like this. So would you judge another mom for not taking her kids to the zoo? So she could have, you know, a semi-relaxing afternoon at home. The answer is probably not. Mm-hmm. And why? Because we know motherhood is hard. As moms, we're really, we're sympathetic to other moms. We're like, oh man, this is so hard. But then when it comes to our own, like our own households, our own journey, we're really critical of what we're doing. Um, so anytime you have that word should come up in your vocabulary that's inside your head or that you just speak out loud, you know, I should be doing dishes because my mother-in-law is coming over. Maybe think about, you know, if, if you walked into her house and she also had a new baby, would you be upset or would you even be thinking about if there were dishes in the sink? No, you wouldn't. So then stop worrying about that kind of stuff in your own home. You know, if you saw another mom that was sitting by, you know, the pool watching her kids swim instead of actively swimming with them, would you be judging that mom for that? You'd say, no, she, she needed a break. Like, okay. good for her. Mm-hmm. That's so true. But we need to kind of, you know, think about how we react to other moms and really use that to guide how we feel about ourselves, which is really, really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. That's such good advice, though. Like, I've never really thought about it that way. It's such the comparison thing, though, too. I know the, the 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 two the two points that like just really hit home for me, especially. I mean, lots of things, but yeah, like you always have that voice saying, but you don't. Like, yeah, I don't, my best friend, like what she's doing, and think anything of it. But you always have that micro like microscope on yourself, saying like, well, I should be doing this. I should be doing better. Yeah. And honestly, like, kind of the example you gave about like going to the zoo versus having like a semi-relaxing day at home, that can be a form of self-care for a lot of moms. You know, I think a lot of women think self-care has to be like, oh, you're going to the spa or getting a massage or, you know, something like that. But in actuality, self-care can look different for a lot of different people. Um, So what do you think exactly is self-care and how can we find ways to implement it into our daily, weekly routines so we don't find ourselves desperately needing it, especially as, you know, moms-to-be and new moms and just moms in general? You just hit the nail on the head. Like, Oh, did I? Yes. (laughs) So we have been – so self-care has been commercialized now. And we're really advertised that self-care is something that we have to be completely removed from our family to 
like we have to comp- we have to just like not see them and not interact with them in any way in order for us to have any form of self-care. Mm-hmm. And that's really not true. Um, while like those things are nice to do sometimes, it's nice to take a break. Um, oh yeah. Think of self-care really as more of what, what fills your cup and does so in a sustainable way. Not that like gets you excited for 15 minutes and then you go and, you know, get your hair done or, you know, watch the one hour TV show and then it's back to reality. We want things that are really making us complete people Um, because I feel like we give so much of ourselves as moms to our family that really making sure that we're a complete person is important. So like for me, that involves going to work. Like actually saying that. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Like actually getting up and driving and going to work with real adult people at least once a week. You know, I work from home the other days, but just getting out of the house, having adult conversations, that is, that's filling my cup and that's making me a better mom. Um, You know, getting outside, even if it's to pull weeds or do yard work, I'm doing something productive. I'm moving my body, but it also fills my cup while checking something off my to-do list. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I also find exercise fills my cup. Um, I've seen, you know, you guys even do, you know, exercise and you'll have your little one, <laughs> like, you, you know, or okay. like, you're, you're like, you're using your baby as like a weight, right? Oh, yep. Do it so, all the time. <laughs> yeah. So like, even if that's something that fills your cup, it's something that you can do, but it doesn't have to be totally removed from your family. And I'm just really, really tired of self-care being pushed at moms in that way that we have to just completely you know, have zero responsibilities and just kind of ignore our family in order to do something that lifts us up and that fills our cup. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking about those things in pregnancy um, is helpful so that when you get into those really hard postpartum days, you know what things you need. It's sometimes hard to think about those, you know, postpartum. But if you have a list of things that fill your cup, you know, what, what you can think in one of those hard days, what do I feel like doing today? And you can pull something from that list. That's, I'm so glad you said work. Cause I feel like this has been the biggest topic, honestly, between me and a couple of friends, like that we always joke. And like, that is my, my self care. And this, I know there's so many, th- I have lots of things, but one of them is working on my business, like working on our business. We Bailey and I enjoy this. It like fills me up. It lights my soul on fire. It like is self-care. And I do, I need that in my life to feel full. And, but with that, that also means that's where I, we talk about this word. No, I have to say no to like sometimes social outings during the week, because when I fill my cup of work and kids, I need to do nothing at the end of the night. And that's like, that's my balance. And everyone thinks I need this like time to step away and you know, hang out as my self-care. I'm not saying I don't, I just, that's not where this, my weekly self-care doesn't have to include that, but that's just not, it's not, people don't see that as normal mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, people think, oh, well, if you're going to work and that fills your cup, then you don't, you somehow don't enjoy being a mom. Right. And that's not true. It like, it's, it's giving you some sort of personal goal and personal responsibility instead of, you know, constantly serving someone else yeah 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 I love that you said that Mm -hmm. Lauren this has been 
Amazing. Truly amazing. I mean, I just think there's been so many, I mean, (laughs) maybe a counseling session for myself on the phone. There's just been so many, (laughs) there's been so many, oh my gosh, there's just been so many good things that I think people really need to hear and just changing stare. I mean, we're all about this. I feel like there's been so many conversations when people we bring on the podcast where it's just kind of changing that, the stereotype and the stigma and the, there's just so many things that you change. It's like, step out of that, step out of what everyone thinks it has to be. Um, and flip it around a little bit. And I think that's what you did on a lot of these topics. So we just really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I think our listeners got so much from this conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, We do like to have, we always ask our listeners one fun question at the end. Um, But can you share your most recent or memorable messy moment or moment? So anything, any story you have about parenting that is well, I'm sure there's a lot, but that is bizarre. We would love to hear it. In the last four months. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say yeah, you might have a few. <laughs> you know, I just just one. Okay. Um <laughs> yeah, so Rob and I we travel quite frequently to see family. And when I say travel, I don't mean like cross country traveling. We're literally going an hour and hour and a half max, but it sometimes feels like two months. <laughs> you know, with yeah. the- always sometimes somehow a 20 minute trip always ends up being like, you know, four days long. Um, so like every other rock star new mom, I was like really proud of the epic diaper bag that I packed. Right. Like if the apocalypse came, my son is set, <laughs> you know, like everything yeah. in their diapers, wipes, extra clothes, whatever. So we're driving home and Reed's getting kind of fussy in the back, really time for him to eat. So I was going to climb in the back and feed him. But never fear, you know, like we've got the epic diaper bag. So silly me, you need water uh, in order to make a bottle with (laughs) formula. Uh, So while Reed's screaming in the back, we come to a dead stop on the interstate. Can't get Uh, it. So I've got a screaming kid. I've got two dogs in the car. My husband's getting really irritated. Uh, And we were finally able to pull over. We go inside, get a bottle of water, fed Reed in the back of the car in a gas station parking lot, but like, you know, it was just like, I was so proud. I was so proud that I had an awesome diaper bag. It was like Pinterest worthy, you know, <laughs> folded and put together and then, all nicely and organized. Yes, yes. And everything was in it. Yes. Everything's so like in its place. And I forgot water. Water. Uh, I can literally <laughs> feel like the tension in that car because that's similar situation just of like being in a dead stop traffic with a screaming child in the back has happened to me. And I can just, I can literally feel that just sitting here right now. I know. So I feel like that situation happens to a lot of people. So I think a lot of moms can relate to that for sure. Yeah. But we survived. We're you here. survived. You're here <laughs> to tell the story. So. Right. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and just thank you for your time today. If our, um, we always like to tell our listeners where we can find you. So if they would like to reach out for questions or referrals or anything, um, where can they, where would be the best way for them to find you? Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, I am sort of, I'm going to start something new with my Instagram and sort of share some more of these tips. Um, because I've really found that to be a new calling of mine that I wasn't expecting is to really help moms, uh, and, you know, and through pregnancy, postpartum, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so my Instagram is Lauren Doherty underscore 12 and they can reach out that way. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, cause I totally agree. And I know we've kind of talked about how you've got this 
you know, newfound passion for mom. I feel like that's what happened with Bailey and I too. It's like, once you go through it, it's like, man, <laughs> we mamas need more help in this world, more resources. So I think that's awesome. We're really excited to see what you do with it too. Cool. Well, thanks again. Um, if you are loving the podcast as much as we hope you are, um, please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. And of course, pass this along to your mama friends, um, especially this episode. I think a lot of moms could find some really great, valuable information. Um, and that's that. Until next time, mamas. Thanks again, Lauren. And we will all talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.